Welcome to The Twelfth House, a podcast where we shine a light on the areas of wellness, well-being, intuitive business, mysticism, magic, that don't always get a light shined on them. And we approach them with curiosity, enthusiasm, and a hint of irreverence. I'm Michelle Palazan, the head witch in charge here at Holisticism, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, Wallace. Hello. Welcome to the pod. Happy Friday. Here we are. (laughs) We made it. (laughs) Let's get into our wellness news of the week. Let's do it. Yesterday was the solar eclipse, the solar eclipse of the year. So just a heads up, if you're listening to this now, you survived. Congratulations. And let's shine a light in the energy of an eclipse. Let's shine a light on some things. So I read this article that was horrifying, but also amazing to me this week about how northern white rhinos are basically extinct. The last remaining male northern white rhino died, and there are only two left in the world, his daughter and his granddaughter. And it's really sad. There are lots of southern white rhinos, which is great, but the fact that white rhinos have been around since the dinosaurs and we basically obliterated them as a human race, like in a 10-year window of time during the 70s and 80s, is horrifying. And the thing that was so interesting to me- Yeah, because of hunting for cultural reasons and just because their horns are used for cultural reasons, but also because imperialism and colonialism. But- The thing that I found really, really interesting, although, of course, extinction theory is devastating. And I just want to say women survive longer longer than men. So, you know, his granddaughter and his... (laughs) 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 He's like, where's she going with this? (laughs) Shout out to his daughter and his granddaughter for carrying on the generation as long as it could. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Well, so they're trying to figure out how they can basically help this species continue on. And there are a couple of ideas. They could co-breed them, the two remaining northern white rhinos, with southern white rhinos, which are were about to go extinct a couple of years ago, and they've been able to replenish the population. So they're not in danger anymore, or not in the same level of danger. But that would change the species because their, their genetic pool would be different. It would be a, a hybrid. So that would change the genetic, the the species. It wouldn't be white rhinos anymore. It would be this hybrid. It wouldn't be northern white rhinos. Other options are that we can clone. So they actually took sperm from this male white rhino before he died, and they have the option to artificially inseminate his daughter or his granddaughter, which is kind of gross, but also it might be necessary for the continuation of the species. And yeah, cloning. So there are some scientific ways that we could continue the species on, but scientists are really hesitant to do this for two reasons. The first is obvious, which is founder effect, basically incest, right? So when there are a small number of, it's a very small genetic pool, that means that genetic diseases can be passed along to the rest of the population. And that could be problematic and result in offspring that aren't like the best, and again, would change the species. But the other thing Mm -hmm. that was super interesting, Mm -hmm. also I'm I'm talking like a mile a minute because I think this stuff is fascinating. I was just thinking of the sheep that they cloned. Dolly. Dolly, yeah. Yeah. And they had to euthanize her, I think, because she had, yeah, she had some kind of, I don't know if it was lung disease or something, and arthritis. It was really sad. Whoa, that's so interesting. It was in 2003, actually. 
I think they cloned Dolly in 1999. Yeah, let's wait. Oh, 1996. Well, okay, she was seven. I don't know what's a common lifespan for sheep, but... Sheep farmers, help us out. Write in, let us know what's the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so fascinating. I always think about people who clone their dogs. I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, mm, that's... I don't know. I get it. Like, I want to definitely clone Bonnie, but also no. Like, that's... She wouldn't, would she be the same? Actually, I would take you up on that. (laughs) You would clone Bonnie. (laughs) But anyways, we digress. So yeah, they could clone. But this is the interesting thing. There is this thing called a moral hazard, which basically is the idea that when it becomes possible to reverse our mistakes as humans, we feel emboldened to make more of those mistakes and inflict further harm on the environment. So if we know that you know, we can reverse deforestation by just planting a shit ton of trees, or we can reverse global warming by, I don't know, something, Tesla, then we have no qualms about burning trees down. (laughs) Basically, like, this moral hazard exists in us as people. It's a mental model. It's the way that we think. And there's a possibility that if we bring back the species, we'll feel free to kind of like do whatever we want and not feel the repercussions of our actions. And so scientists are like, we can't just open this like sort of Pandora's box of we can do whatever we want to do. We have to like live with the repercussions of our actions. And I think that that's so fascinating. Well, I think it ties into so many things that we talk about with just Western medicine and a lot of Western perspectives of trying to treat the symptom. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, human nature, despite all of our advances, despite like how intelligent we are, is still human. And yeah, maybe our gut reaction is to, is to be destructive and to like, just try and solve, put a bandaid on the problem after. And if we are going to continue to advance in intelligence and technology, I think we really need it's a responsibility to raise our consciousness level too, so that we don't have things like moral hazard where we're just like blowing things up indiscriminately saying, oh, we can go back and fix it later. We can't always go back and fix it later. I think we're seeing that happen in real time. Yeah. I feel like that also relates to the fact that there seems to be an unwillingness to acknowledge that we're part of nature. We're actually in the ecosystem. We're not separate. Yeah. So we're affected by all, you know, whether we're killing the bees or the white rhinos, it's going to come full circle to affect us. We are part of it. I think we're always caught up in thinking we are humans living on planet Earth. We are not of Earth. Mm -hmm. It's like the law, the universal laws of reciprocity or as above, so below. There's always some reaction that happens when we make a decision and we have to live with those repercussions. Next point of, look, we're going to just take a left-hand turn and we're going to go into money. (laughs) But Lululemon just released its quarter one revenue reports and they pulled in a cool $1.2 billion this year, which is kind of wild considering that we didn't do anything really last year. I mean, we're kind of still not doing anything. Athleisure is sort of the new fashion. It's the way that we dress. In fact, I'm dressed in biker shorts in a sports bar right now. How about you? Are they Lululemon? No, they're not. They're, they're not. No, actually Lululemon sports bra, but not, not biker shorts. Only, I feel like, and no shade to Lululemon, but I, I don't know a lot of people wearing it. 
behind it or like in the last five years. Yeah, it's definitely taken a a turn. I think Lululemon is for an older customer, not old. I mean, around our age, someone who's like 32 to 35 is their core customer. And I don't think that they've kept up with Gen Z and millennials as much as other brands like Outdoor Voices and Girlfriend Collective definitely have. But what's more interesting to me, and I think actually reflects what you're talking about, Wallace, is the fact that Lululemon acquired this thing called the Mirror last year. And the Mirror is basically this like interactive, invisible gym that you can hang on your wall. It's a competitor to Peloton, and you can do workout classes through this basically like glorified television. The Mirror brought was acquired for $500 million by Lululemon. It brought them in $275 million in the last year. And that means that they're going to make up <laughs> their purchase in the next two years, which is like kind of phenomenal for an acquisition. And the most interesting thing is that the CEO of Lululemon said that the company is already seeing a large number of non-Lululemon guests owning the Mirror. So people who don't shop at Lululemon already are buying the mirror and they're paying into Lululemon. And I think this is super interesting from a consumer perspective because there's a possibility that Lulu has like tapped their market, right? They've reached the point where they're just like, they don't, they they can't get more market saturation. And in order to get into other areas and to get more consumers, they need to start thinking outside of the athleisure box and really move more into wellness or sport. And I think that the mirror is going to be that possibility for them. And if it continues to grow at this rate, it can make up a significant portion of their revenues. And I mean, since we've now all agreed, we just live in a black mirror episode constantly. (laughs) People are okay with having a mirror talk to them and tell them what to do. Fucking freak me out, but... Exactly. And I think that we can sort of like see into the future here, see into the black mirror that Lululemon will probably end up maybe closing all of its, I could see this happening, a future where Lululemon closes all of its brick and mortar stores. It has all of its education about its technical products, like its pants and its sports bras, et cetera, done on the mirror while you're doing your workout. And that could be the future of retail. So we'll keep watching this, but Lululemon's customer has been changing and the pandemic has definitely impacted its business. And so its core business has to change too. It'll be interesting to see what they end up moving into. Do you want to talk about sex? Sex, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I was like, wait, what article? <laughs> 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 so a couple of weeks ago, inside of the cusp, someone mentioned, I can't remember, I think it might have been Ray, actually, who recommended this. But shout out to Ray. Yeah, we love you. Ray recommended this product called In the Mood. And it's by this company called Ray as well, R-A-E. And a bunch of us jumped on the thread and wanted to try out this product, In the Mood. It's supposed to help with sexual health and well-being. And it's a supplement that you take. And you can actually buy it at Target. So I've been trying it. I love it. It tastes minty. It's like awesome. It gives me so much amazing energy. Wait, and, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. It tastes minty. What format is it in? It's a pill. It's minty. Oh, a minty pill. Interesting. No, I really like it. No, no. It's swallow. You swallow mm-hmm. it. But I feel like often when you take supplements, especially like adaptogens, they have a sort of nasty sort of aftertaste. And this is so pleasant and delightful. It's such a like nice... It's so nice. I love taking it in the morning. I hate taking pills and I'm really enjoying this. But I saw Ray pop up on my newsfeed this week because they just secured 
a $9.5 million Series A. And that's a pretty big Series A for a supplement brand. I also wasn't sure how much money Ray actually had because their packaging kind of sucks. It's cute, but it's in plastic and it's like mm, not the highest quality. Yeah, little cheap, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But super interesting because Ray has all of these ingestible options. They have pills, they have tinctures, they have powders. And I think they're giving brands like Moon juice are run for their money in terms of using adaptogens and herbs and botanicals, as well as other supplements like vitamins that we'd see, you know, like vitamin A, vitamin C in their formulations to treat specific needs, to, to treat things like energy, anxiety, sexual health. They have a CBD product. And this is an interesting sort of like compass or maybe even like temperature check on this area of wellness and business. I think this is such an interesting space because there's so little regulation and I am that complete sucker consumer who whenever there's a new mushroom powder or I don't know, new anything that's promising me more focus, better sleep, better libido, I'm always like, maybe I'll try this one, maybe I'll try that one. I don't know. It's kind of an infinite space. The adaptogens and the herbs have always been there, but the packaging and the marketing has totally shifted in the past like three years. Mm-hmm. Well, if we think about the sort of first people, first brand to really kind of come into this space in a splashy way to treat specific ills in terms of supplementation, Care-of was a really good example of that. They got acquired actually for quite a low valuation. I don't think the company really did that well, but it's been interesting to see this space sort of evolve, especially as VC money has been infused into it. Supplements are nothing new. Herbs are nothing new, but seeing this like sort of spin happen is fascinating. I think that moon juice was honestly here first is like much as we like to sort of rag on moon juice and all that it represents. No, absolutely. And making it young and sexy and fun and also using lots of different sort of ancient practices and cultures calling on those. I'm curious to see if Ray will pay homage and respect to the cultures or to the like herbs that maybe it's using that come from Ayurveda or from traditional Chinese medicine. I haven't done a deep enough dive into the product and into the website to see if that's the case, but who knows? This is making me think of a great business idea. There should be a newly curated, branded version of GNC or vitamin shop that is dedicated towards adaptogens and herbs. And I would be absolutely... uh, target demographic because I would love to go into one of those stores, get to actually be up close with, you know, nutritionists or essentially like an Erewhon vitamin aisle, but like a whole store that's curated to the experience and like an Ulta, but for supplements and for like nutrition. Yeah. I think that that's an amazing idea. Should we, should we start this? (laughs) Should that be our new business? I mean, if you consider how brands like Hilma and Moon Juice and Wooden Spoon Herbs and all these incredible brands that are focusing on botanicals and herbs and go really well together. I mean, I think the insight here is that Ray is giving Moon Juice a run for its money, but more importantly, Moon Juice, Ray, Wooden Spoon Herbs, all of these brands and botanicals are giving bro supplements a run for their money. And this could really be the next big wellness trend. It's We've already seen it happen, but I think that moving it into this sort of this consumer space is really interesting. I'm going to start this company. <laughs> just to- <laughs> Too excited. Or brick and mortar. 
<laughs> I think it's got to be it's got to be a brick and mortar, right? That's the experience is like that you get to walk around and see all these things. I think that's our wellness news for the week. Lots of things. Yay. I feel like I just yeah. like I had like three cups of coffee this morning and I just like talked your ear off. I talked at you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was very interested. I learned a lot. <laughs> also just, you know, might have a new business venture. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, check back in with us in six months and we'll see how that goes, everyone. Or hey, if you take this business idea, just credit us, you know, just say, just give us a thanks. We, we'd appreciate that. Thanks for listening. That's our wellness news. I am now going to talk even more about productivity and how to organize your brain if you are a creative, intuitive person like me so that you can get more done and feel less anxious. So if you are curious to hear about about that, then stay tuned. Hi. Okay. I'm lying in my bed. I'm lying horizontally right now. I know that's unprofessional, but what really is professional if you think about it? Who decided that? And sometimes you just need to be horizontal. You know what I mean? So I'm horizontal today. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I like to call my second brain and my inbox system. And that no is not about email. And this will either be the best thing that anyone has ever taught you and will truly change your life. Or you're going to think this is really boring. I don't really know. We're just going to go for it. But ah, if you're a student of mine, or you've I don't know, listen to this podcast, or if you know me, you know that I'm kind of a slut for organization, but like in a weird way, because I'm not super organized, like uh, naturally. In fact, I'm naturally like pretty chaotic, I would, I would argue. I skew towards like messy disorganization lost forever, as opposed to like, there's a place for everything Marie Kondo. And I've always been like that. I can't really help it. Now, apparently I have ADHD and everything is kind of starting to make sense, but I've always been like this. And as a result, I've sort of had to overcorrect in order to like do things and also not piss off my mom. Sorry, mom. My room was so messy when I was in high school and middle school. I've had to sort of overcorrect and really find structures and systems for myself in order to not just be like this person who's like floating in the world with aimlessly. <laughs> and also I would say like, I have anxiety and that anxiety often comes from being worried that I'm going to forget something or that I've lost something. So having systems to help me organize myself and make sure that I stay on track, help with my anxiety in addition to other things like, you know, meditating and exercising and all that good stuff. So anyways, this is all to say that I've had to like create some systems in my life. I'm sure you have too, in order to like stay organized and stay on your shit. And my most favorite, well, let me tell you, I'm not great with like physical stuff. I have still have lots of physical piles and I tend to do this thing with the mail where I like don't open it for a month and then I open it all in one fell swoop. But my digital life is much better. Not my email. <laughs> my email, I have a different relationship to. You've heard me talk about it on this podcast, but unless it is a customer, I don't feel, or someone who I owe an explanation to or I owe a response to, I don't feel that I owe anyone anything. And I'm not required to get back to them immediately. I can get back to them when I'm healthy and safe. To, it's safe for me to do so, meaning that I'm well-resourced enough to give them a reply or a response that feels thoughtful and intentional. And sometimes that takes a long time for me. 
So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> but but the rest of my life, in order to like run this business and do all the things that we do, I have to stay pretty organized. And so I have a couple systems that I think might be helpful to you if you are like me and you are a creative, intuitive person who tends to be flowy and not structured naturally. So my two systems are called Second Brain and Inbox. And these are not things that I created. They are things that I learned from other people, but I've added my own unique twist slash flair on them. So the first is Second Brain. And I'm going to give you the context of I create both of these systems inside of Notion. Notion is a amazing piece of software that you can basically do anything in. You, It's like Google Docs meets Excel spreadsheets meets Dropbox meets, I don't know, like a website, like meets Squarespace. You can make everything inside of it. You can organize your entire life and you can have it private or public. You can share it with your team. It is the thing that keeps my business together. Instead of having Asana or ClickUp or another sort of thing, we use Notion and it's amazing. I use it in my personal life. I use it in my professional life. I use it with my private clients. I use it in all of the classes that I teach. I make workbooks inside of it. It is the best ever. And I'm obsessed with it. If you want to learn how to use Notion, I have a class called Notion 101 for Creatives. We'll put it in the show notes below and it's really affordable. It's like a two and a half hour class. It teaches you the ins and outs of Notion. And if you're in the North Node, there's like three classes on Notion that are even more in depth than Notion 101 for Creatives. So if you're a North Noder, you already have access to all that and you are already probably a Notion stan. But let's talk about my two systems. The first is Second Brain. So when I was working in tech and I had to be a writer like all day long and make content all day long, I learned something amazing from my editor and also from my SEO, my search engine optimizer who I worked with. And my editor would always encourage us to constantly be reading, constantly be looking for new ideas. That's your job. When you are a writer, you have to pitch stories, right? So that always stuck with me that I should always start every single day by reading and like looking at headlines or reading books and just seeing what was in the news, even if it wasn't directly related to things that I liked or was interested in, because that might inform a story that is applicable to what I was writing about. So always be reading, always be taking in data, always be catching information. And then my SEO, my search engine optimizer, when I was working with him one-on-one, he, the way we would work together is he would tell me, here are all the keywords that we want to rank for. And here's what I think the best article would be to write. And now go write it, research it. And so he taught me that when we pick a really good topic or for an article, to go and type in that keyword into Google and find the other top 10 articles that are already ranking for it. So let's say I was going to write a piece about cacao versus cocoa. Okay. Also like a versus versus sort of articles are amazing for SEO because you can use two keywords. So cocoa and cacao, just a heads up. That article was ranking number one last time I checked. Still like five years later. So anyways, let's, I type in cacao versus cocoa and I look at the top 10 articles that came up on Google and I click on every single one and my SEO would say, go in and look at them and see what they have in common. See what, you know, the obviously like what they have in common is what's helping them get ranked because they're on the top 10 page. And that means that it's working. So we should try to do the things that are working. And that was really helpful to me because it taught me that I didn't have to reinvent the wheel in order to be creative. Because sometimes like 
if you're so out there and so inventing the wheel and so visionary beyond everyone else, people just won't get it, right? You won't get on the first page of Google and no one will be able to see your stuff. It might seem cool to you, but if people can't find it and read it and learn it and see it, then like, who cares how cool it is? So, well, I mean, who knows? But anyways, in this context, that was important. So I learned to sort of create a scaffolding or to create a place to start from in terms of an outline or at least a bunch of ideas as to what I should include before I started writing. And that taught me to never write from a blank page. And that is something that I teach to this day. And that's a hill I'm happy to die on. Never write from a blank page. Here's the thing. You don't need to reinvent the wheel because you can't. (laughs) Because there is no new information out there. Trust me, there isn't. Even when people say that they're like pulling information down or channeling information, it's not new information. It's somewhere. It's like in a book somewhere or it's on the internet or someone else has said it. Our responsibility as creators and people who are intuiting things and channeling things is to tell the truth, to tell the information through our perspective, through our story, through our unique language and through, I don't know, the way we experience life. That's what we bring to the table. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's changing the color of the wheel (laughs) or the soundtrack that the wheel plays to or whatever it might be, right? So often when we start to create something, we think that we need to make it fresh, shiny, new, never seen before. Every single element needs to be groundbreaking and visionary. The truth is the only thing that needs to be groundbreaking and visionary are your insights are the key insights that you deliver from the content that you're putting out into the world. So you could write an article like cacao versus cocoa, but deliver those really clear insights. And although there are hundreds of thousands of articles that look very similar to yours, you got something different, kid. You know, you're using your unique story and your perspective and your favorite words and your unique flavor. And that's what makes it different. So Never writing from a blank page means having things to put on your page before you start writing or creating. I'm going to probably say writing a bunch of times, but I mean creating across the board. So creating a course, creating a podcast, creating a blog post, writing a book, creating a dance, like, I don't know, creating a family, creating a method, whatever it is that you want to do. We're going to just use, we're going to use the consistent probably metaphor of writing. So You need some information to sort of ground you and to pull from to respond to. I think about this when I think about human design, it makes so much sense. Every aspect in human design is basically responding, right? Manifestors are the only one who can really initiate, but even so, there's such a small percentage of the population. And I would say even then they need something to initiate. But anyways, I'm getting in the weeds here. We need something to respond to. We can't just have an empty page where we're like, what am I going to write here? We need to pull in some information. And that's where your second brain comes in. So my first piece of advice that I gave you was to always be reading and to always be researching. And that can feel really tedious, right? Especially if we spend a lot of time reading and researching, but we can't remember what we read or what we researched. And that's where your second brain comes in. Your second brain is a place outside of your actual brain where you store information that's important to you. You can store your highlights from your e-reader. You can store emails that you love. You can store articles that are meaningful to you or podcasts that you found important. Maybe like this one. All of this will live in your second brain. 
And it's important to have it all in one place because you want to be able to locate your information when you need it. You want to be able to search for it. You want to be able to go into your second brain when you're having a moment that it's difficult for you to create or for you to focus, or you don't really know what to do next. And you want to pop into your second brain's library effectively and look through what you've got. What's interesting? What's sparking your, your curiosity or your fancy? And maybe what can you use from your second brain that you've researched that's applicable to an old tired subject in a new way? For example, maybe I want to write about the tarot, right? And there are so many ways to write about the tarot. It has been done by so many people, and I'm certainly not the best or the smartest or the funniest writer to approach the tarot and the topic of the tarot. But maybe I go to my second brain because I'm like, what am I going to write about? I've got all these articles saved. I've got tweets saved. I've got books that I've read saved and the highlights of them saved. I've got an email that I absolutely love saved. Maybe I've even got some images saved from Pinterest or from Twitter or from Instagram that I thought were really inspiring. Maybe I stumble across something like, I don't know, the 100 greatest mental models. And mental models are just a way of looking at life and sort of understanding human behavior. And maybe I read some of those mental models and I see a mental model that can be applied to the way that we interpret tarot. And so the way, what I'm going to end up writing is about tarot, but through this lens of mental models. And so I've got something completely different than what lots of other people would be writing about. I'm not writing about mental models. I'm not writing about tarot. I'm coming from this different perspective that brings something fresh and new and insightful to the work. And the only way that I would have really been able to do that is if I had access to my second brain. I don't know about you, but dude, I take in so much content all day long and I have the worst memory. I blame my epilepsy because I have have brain damage. But you know, like we all, I would argue that we don't have as good of memories as we would like to have, even if we are relatively young people and healthy and taking care of ourselves. I mean, if you just think about the sheer number of content that you take in all day long, it would be impossible for you to remember all of it. And that's what a second brain is for. It helps sort of open up that space in your brain. So you don't need to hold on to facts and figures that aren't important, but you can still use what you, you know, all the time that you spend researching and reading and taking information, it's not wasted. You're able to recall it when you need it and use it when you need it. So that's the first thing that I would recommend anyone set up who's a creative, intuitive person who makes things or who's in the process of making something is setting up a second brain. I've set up a second brain inside of Notion. I am 100% positive that we have a second brain template inside of the North Node if my North Noders are out there listening. But there are tons of second brain options available to you that you can go just search second brain or building a second brain. It's easy, it's fun. And I actually use this plugin called readwise.io that is connected to my Kindle and to my Notion. And so anytime I highlight something inside of my Kindle on a PDF I'm reading or a book or whatever it might be, it automatically syncs to my Notion second brain. And so it pulls in all of the quotes that I am highlighting, which is really helpful for me. It tells me what book they're in and where to find them and all that good stuff. It's awesome. Readwise.io. I wish I had an affiliate link. I do not, but it's great. Recommend it. The second element of this is called Inbox. And Inbox is 
old school inboxing. It's not email inboxing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when you sat at a desk and you had a little plastic container that was your inbox and people would put things in your inbox like papers or checks or love notes or your lunch or whatever it was. I don't know if anyone has worked in an office like that before, but, or maybe you remember from like your school, how there was an inbox on your teacher's desk. It's the same thing, same concept. So the idea of an inbox, it's not like an email inbox. It's like you're on your teacher's desk or on your desk at your office inbox. Basically, everything that comes in in the day goes in the inbox. Easy. (laughs) And as you go through your day, you'll pull things at the end of the day out of that inbox and you'll put them where they need to go. You'll identify if there are things that need to be thrown away, if there are things that are urgent, if there are things that can be delegated to a new day, and what the next step is. And at the end of the day, you want to have a clear inbox, or at the end of the week, depends on what works for you. I've made my inbox inside of my Notion, and it's very simple. It's just a table that I set up. It's called Inbox, and I have a couple of different sort of templates or ways to call the things that come inside of my inbox. It's a little hard to describe (laughs) without the visual element, but stick with me. I'm going to try and make this easy for you. In fact, actually, I'll make an inbox template for you and you can download it at the link below. So we'll make that really, really simple. But basically, every single thing that I come across in my day that doesn't have, like, isn't a completed thought is going to go in my inbox. So when I get an email full of articles that I think are really interesting, perhaps from the New York Times or the Atlantic or somewhere else, instead of reading those articles and take and stopping what I'm doing, which is checking my email and taking some time away and knowing myself when I get distracted, it's very hard for me to refocus. I'll click on the articles that are interesting and I'll add them to my inbox. I'm going to read them later when I have the time. So I'm not going to lose them. They're not going to just be open tabs on my computer. They're not just going to be like sitting unread in my inbox. I'm going to be able to clear that email. I'm going to take the interesting hyperlinks. I'm going to add them to my inbox on Notion for me to read when I have a moment. And pretty much anything that comes across my virtual desk that I can't cover in that instant, that's not like a seven second, 15 second, I can get this done, goes in my inbox as to do later. I have a podcast episode already on Monday, hour one. If you want to go back and listen to it, I think it would be really useful in conjunction with this episode because it's about how to sort of schedule your days and organize your daily tasks. But we're going to talk about Monday, hour one in a second. Often at the end of a meeting or through a meeting, I'll have to-dos that I need to either act on or accomplish. And I don't have those things naturally in my planner or in my Monday hour one, right? They're not on my task list because they came up as tasks while I was in a meeting or while I got an email from somebody or when I hopped on a phone call. And so in my inbox, I will also have a must reply to option where it Basically, after a meeting, it it basically has a little like icon that says, this is from a meeting. So this is a to-do that comes from a meeting. So if I have a morning meeting with with my team and they say, Michelle, we need you to update the website on this page, there's a typo. I'll add a thing in my inbox that says, fixed typo from that got talked about in XYZ meeting. And if it doesn't 
and then I'll leave it. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm getting excited. I'll also have thoughts throughout the day (laughs) that not intrusive thoughts sometimes, but hopefully not. I'll have thoughts throughout my day that just pop in where I'm like, oh, I got to do that thing. Or wow, you know what would be really cool if I did X, Y, Z. Or ooh, this would be so cool for an Instagram post. Or I really want to pitch this for the podcast. And instead of taking my time to go navigate to whatever or email or go make (laughs) a podcast infographic when I don't really need to make it, I will add that into my inbox. So I'll make a note to myself in my inbox that says, this is a thought that I had. Execute on this. Act on this thing. And then I also have finally just a note basically in my inbox that's urgent. So that's if something horrible comes up, something happens where we really need to like SOS solve this emergency. And I will try to get that done by the end of my day and sort of bump it up on my hierarchy of to-dos. So You'll get a better understanding of what this looks like if you download the Notion template. But by the end of a day, I might have three or four articles that are things that I want to read. I might have many to-dos that are sort of my jotted off notes from meetings or from one-on-ones or that popped into my head when I was mid-task doing something else. And It's my responsibility at the end of the day or whenever I decide feels good for me. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's every other day. I don't know. You do, you kid. To assign those tasks out. When am I going to do these things? Because you don't want them to just sit in your inbox and build up. You want to make sure that they get done. So often by the very end of the day, uh, this is like my end of the day routine. I'll clear my inbox. So I'll move the tasks. If they are things that I need to do that I can get done in the last hour of the day, I'll move them to today on my Monday hour one, or I'll assign them to the next day or whatever day I can get them done. If they are thoughts that take something else, like that are going to require a meeting or going to require a brainstorm, I'll take the next step and I'll put that in either my calendar or I'll put it in my Monday hour one. And if it is an SOS, I likely will have gotten to it earlier in the day because it's coming up immediately. And then finally, if it is an article or something, things that I want to read, I'll take a moment to go ahead and read those things and decide if they're worth adding to my second brain. Not every article I read is worth adding to my second brain. In fact, a lot of them aren't. A lot of the things that I think are really interesting in a moment are not that interesting when I go back to read them as I'm cleaning out my inbox. But sometimes I read an article and I'm like, wow, that was amazing. I need to go back and reread that or I want to have that on hand. And when that happens, I'll simply move the article from my inbox and I'll drag and drop it to my second brain inside of Notion. And from there, I can add things like tags or topics or other qualifiers that tell me more about that article and what I'm going to look for later when I am searching for it or why I would want to go back and read it later. But having this system really helps me have a less cluttered (laughs) inbox in my actual email inbox because I'm not saving things as to-dos for later, which I notice a lot of people do. They'll mark an email as unread when they haven't completed a task. And that is a really great way to lose things in your inbox and not get things done. I'm not perfect at this, by the way. I still do these things sometimes, but I really try not to do it because I know that that doesn't set me up for success. But I'm not perfect, so, you know you get what you get. (laughs) It also creating a second brain and creating an inbox helps you 
uh, have an action step after meetings, which often is the place that gets us backed up, right? Where we're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And then we never execute on what we talked about in the meeting. And that's the worst thing ever. I mean, that's like why everyone wants to leave corporate America, right? And finally, just having a second brain is a really nice resource for you to have over time to see what you're reading and listening to and what's sitting with you. And it helps you create a relationship with the information that you've learned so that you actually remember it and so that you can actually use it in the future. And I think all of this is really important for intuitive and creative people because we're taking in so much and in order to be deliberate in this world and and really to take our brilliant ideas and shape them into reality, we have to have systems that help support us doing that. And I, I'm learning so much as an adult and recently that a lot of what I've done in my life has sort of been in response to not being able to be normal or I guess like do things the way that everyone else does them. And I've had to create these systems or processes or ways of looking at the world or understanding the world that makes sense to me to help me operate in this space. And I think that for anyone who's who's creative or thinks in a different way than maybe other people do, we have to find these little hacks and solutions for ourselves to help ourselves sort of like get on the same page as <laughs> as other people. And it can re- feel really paralyzing or really scary or like we're just not made for this world. Like we're not made to operate in this way. We're not made to make an impact like other people, but that's just not true. We're just made to do it in a different way. And so whether you like my crazy option of second brain and inbox or you create a system for yourself, I just want to encourage you if you're an intuitive and creative person to create a system for yourself that works, that feels supportive to you, that feels exciting to you, that feels like it gives you some space to breathe and create. Because one thing that we can't do as creatives is we can't truly sink down into what we're here to learn or bring into the world if we're constantly like trying to sweep up our mistakes and our messes and just like stay on pace like with everyone else because if we're that then we don't have any spaciousness to like really sink in and let ourselves get to that deep unconscious work which is deep work effectively which is where all the good stuff happens so if you're constantly like just trying to like keep your head above water. You're not giving yourself this. You, honestly, you're you're stealing from yourself and you're stealing from the world. You're not giving yourself the opportunity to go deeper. And we need you to go deep. So few people are willing to go deep in this, um, you know, are willing to like excavate. And that's what we need more of. We don't need more of the superficial stuff. <laughs> we don't need more of the like tap dancing on the surface. We need depth. We need groundedness. We need you. So there are so many ways to get to depth, right? And I honestly think that like having some structure and organization in your life can clear away the clutter, the mental clutter and let you sink deeper. And that's really, that's to me really important. So, okay, that's all I have for you. I hope this was useful. And if you love this idea of building and melding strategy and structure with the intuitive and the magic and the creative, I think you'll love the North Node. It's like what we do and what we talk about and kind of the theme every single month is how can we take a concept or idea 
and use the practical, pragmatic, structural side and marry that with the intuitive, mystical, magical, wonderful side. And that's my favorite thing to do. And it's such an amazing community of people who are willing and down to explore those ideas too. And it's really fun. So if you're curious to learn more, the doors to the North Node open on June 20th, the summer solstice. And we have a limited number of spots. This is the last time that we're opening the doors in the North Node because we are going to be at capacity after we open. We just can't offer the experience we want to offer to everyone with scholarships, with hands-on, with one-on-one coaching, with just like the magic that we can offer with our small, amazing team if we have 10,000 members in the North Node. So we got to keep it, we got to keep it tight. And that's why we're closing the doors. So if you want to get in, there's a lot of spots open and a lot of scholarship spots open on the sliding scale. And we'd be honored to have you. So you can jump on the wait list and be the first to be notified. You'll get actually notified before everyone else gets notified that the doors are open. So if you want to snag your spot, make sure that you get on the wait list. And I think that's it. Okay. I hope that you enjoyed this. Let me know. Shoot me a note. <laughs> shoot me a note on Instagram or, or, or you can leave a review if you'd like, and I will see you on the internet. Okay. Bye.